stir it up. Because we have so much inside of us, but we've got to apply the strength and we've got to apply the work sometimes to make that come out. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to put my glasses on. I had to choose between seeing the people in the back and seeing the paper. So I think it's probably good. I even tried to make the font bigger, but there is a point at which just go with the glasses. All right. Glory to God. So if you have your notebooks and your pens, we're going to, what I'm going to do is, is kind of walk through a little study guide about stirring it up. We have a responsibility to get all those ingredients mixed together that God has given us so that they, you know what happens when those ingredients come together? Things are activated. You add the baking soda and the salt and the salt and the sugar and the eggs, something happens to those things and they're no longer in the end, baking soda, sugar, eggs, salt. You need to throw some other things in there because that's going to make a really bad something. But chemically, things change as we begin to mix those ingredients together, right? And one of the most challenging things that I'm, and I'm going to talk about me tonight. If it applies to you too, if not, then just say, oh me and, and believe it's for someone else. But one of the most challenging things to me that I've dealt with in serving the Lord is keeping my head stirred and my, myself stirred up about what I've been given to do. My focus is about what Tom's been called to do. I don't need to worry and be concerned about what Dan's call is. I can help Dan from time to time as the Lord directs. I'm not called to do what Alfredo's done and, and, and is, is called to do or Rob or anybody else. Randy, I'm not called to, to do that. I'm called to focus and stir up the gift of what Tom has inside of him. You're exactly the same way. We're going to talk about that, that a little bit more. But, but we all struggle with that a little bit from time to time if we're being honest with ourselves. And maybe you haven't, but I bet you will sometime. Because you, it's just something we have to continually work on, right? And it's because we all have flesh. Flesh is weak. Flesh it gets tired. Flesh gets weary. Flesh grows, grows weary of doing good. Flesh is, is, is emotions. All those things will lie to you. Flesh cannot be trusted ever. We don't trust our flesh. We trust our spirits. And if we look to our flesh and we allow our flesh to reign and rule, we will get out of our place. We will start looking at someone else's gift and esteeming it more than we esteem our own. We will lose our place We'll give it up. I say lose it. You know, people mostly don't lose their place. They give it up. They make decisions that remove them from the ability to do it. God didn't take it away. They've stepped away from the ability to do it and the grace to do it. Amen. But we also, it can move us away from our protection and provision that God has for us. It matters where we are. It matters where we're hooked. It matters that we're doing what God has called us to do. We've got to keep ourselves stirred up. We do not want to allow ourselves to yield to our flesh and get to a place where we give up. And I'm going to talk for a few minutes about giving up because, you know, we can spiritually give up and keep doing exactly the same things that we're doing. On the outside, it looks like you're churning right along, doing all the things that you've always been doing, but you have completely given up and you'll accomplish nothing doing that. You're not accomplishing anything for the kingdom going through the motions, we would call it, right? 
we would say that's going through the motions. I'm, I'm going to keep doing this, but my heart's not in it anymore. I've given up. I've given up. Um, I have seen people that have been so on fire for the Lord. And I'm talking about in the churches, on staff, in various areas. And you guys have all seen the same people. They are on fire for God. They are accomplishing major things for the kingdom. They have so much joy that you can't be around them without being joyful. Do you know anybody like that? As soon as you meet them, you can tell they're just happy people. And it just spills over. And something changed. And that they're entirely different. And they're not reaching the people that they had. Did their call change? Did God change what he had for them to accomplish? Did he say, Randy, too much joy. You've got too much joy. Tone it down, brother. God didn't do that. He didn't change. What happened? The flesh grew weary somewhere. Some, somehow offense got in. Somehow a little bit of strife changed my focus on, my focus on what I was supposed to be doing. I've done it. I've fallen into the trap. Don't raise your hands. I'll raise it for everybody. It's a universal hand of been there, done that. All right. But along that same line, when we think about quitting or giving up as leaving our post and packing up and moving out. But like I'm saying, there are many of us that are still in our post. We're still there. We're still occupying air where we think we're supposed to be, but we're not accomplishing anything. We haven't physically walked away from our calling, but we aren't producing, advancing, or accomplishing something. Now listen really carefully because I know it's, it's easy to think, oh, this is going to be an easy message tonight. But as I was mulling this over today, I believe that the enemy uses this deception so well that there are people who don't even realize that they have given up. Because they're showing up to church every service. They're showing up for their teams. They're do, I'm doing my thing. But it's going through the motions. And that's not doing your thing. That's not helping you. And I'm not saying this because the churches need help. God has blessed us with the very best. We, Mrs. Moore and I were talking about that again. We had just had Greater Faith Conference. And every single night, pastor said, looked around the room and said, how... Did I say Greater Faith Conference? Was that right? Yeah. We've had a lot going on around here, Brother Craig. I'm not, there's no judgment here. It's just making sure I said it right. But we had pastors come in, and I can't tell you how just sitting in the dining room, after hours, they're going, how did you get these people to do this? It's the goodness of God in this church, and it's our leadership that God has blessed us with the best people because they have always said we have the best people. It is the blessing of God on their work and what they're doing and on our work and what we're doing. And it's amazing. And, you know, I, I sat in the dining room looking around thinking, there's a lot of people in here. We are blessed people. Not one complainer in the bunch. It's late. Everybody has other things I'm sure they'd rather have been doing after a two-hour, three-hour service, right? And they're picking up dishes and and washing dishes and, and carrying plates. And we're blessed. We're blessed because people are in their places. But being in those places matters. What happens if they come and there's nothing happening and there's nothing clean? The event doesn't happen. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm going to talk about that very specific thing. But we do not want to let the enemy deceive us into thinking we're accomplishing something and being productive when we're not. He's a deceiver. That's why we call him a deceiver. And if you're deceived, you don't know it sometimes. 
We've got to be aware of this. It's a good thing to to get some awareness in some of these areas. Amen? People get discouraged. They get hurt. Things happen. Sometimes people don't, maybe they don't feel like what I'm doing is vital or you don't esteem what you've been asked to do. We hear that sometimes. And I know I, for one, have been through periods where I did not esteem what I was being allowed to do and the privileges that were afforded me because of it. It's important that we, that we understand that it matters what we do. Amen? It doesn't matter what role we've been given. It's the same for the people that are standing up here and have an opportunity to preach the gospel, whether it's in this building or around the world or around South America and around the cities, wherever it is. We all have a role to play. The key is to esteeming. You know, everybody understands what esteem is. It means that you understand. This is important. I esteem this in my life. This has a place. I'm giving this place because it's important. I esteem that. It's important. The key is esteeming what God has called you to do, what God has called Tom to do, and not despising that no matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to use an example. Um, Well, let me cover this real quick. Despising here, when I said despising the call, that includes things like Um, wanting someone else's place. And everybody says, I've never done that. A lot of, a lot of people have done that and not even really thought about it as what they were doing, but they think, oh, it'd be so cool to get to do what they get to do. It'd be so cool to have that job. And we can get so focused on what they're doing over there that everything we're supposed to be doing is being, not being accomplished and not being done. And you know, there's a, there's a word for wanting what someone else has. It's called covetousness. It's an ugly word. We don't want to do that, right? Wanting to be like someone else too much. You know, I, I love our pastor. I love Brother Keith. He ministers to me. Does he minister to you? Yes. Every single time he's in the pulpit, it ma- it's life-changing for me. I believe that. And I receive that. But God doesn't need another Keith Moore. He's got a good one. What he needs is another good you. What he needs are more men who are willing to step up and, and, and be humble and be used of him. Amen? You don't want to be someone else. Comparison is a faith killer. The reason why we compare is because we want to see who's best. Comparison is only, there's always some, somebody has to win in a comparison. Right? Some, I, what do you do? You look at pros and cons. The pros or the cons are going to win whether it's a vehicle or a person or whatever the situation may be. I'm, I'm comparing myself to you because, because I want to see which one of us is better. I want to see which one of us is accomplishing more. Comparison will kill your faith, and it is not a good stir stick. When you start comparing, just stop. Just stop. It's a whole, that's a whole different teaching, though, right? It comes from a place of discontent. I'm not content with what I have, so I'm looking around shopping to see what somebody else has. Amen. Both natural and spiritual. um, Wait, I wrote something funny. Hold on. Oh, I was, I I made, sometimes I put one word in to remind me of something and I'm like, that doesn't fit right there. So what was that? But now I remember the Lord helps us. Amen. Um, I was thinking about this in terms of natural things too, because we do it spiritually, but in the natural, I, and if you haven't noticed, I'm not a very extremely tall person. I'm kind of short person. Well, I, I should say kind of average person in height. 
five six is kind of average, but I'm not a particularly tall person. When I was little, that bothered me. When I was young, little in age, not little in stature. <laughs> that bothered me. I wanted to be taller. Do you know how much time I spent worrying about being taller? The answer is just way too much time. But you're a child, and you know, young, and I'm talking, you know, teenager. You're, you want to grow. Nothing that I did made me grow. Nothing that I focused on. I wasted a lot of time thinking about something that I cannot change. And I can spend a lot of time thinking, oh, it'd be so cool to get to go to Africa with Randy. It would be so cool to get to be, to be up on that, you know, dot, 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 dot. I can spend so much time doing that when that's not what God has called Tom to do. Again, it's a distraction from what God has called me to do. Randy's doing what God has called him to do. All of these people, I'm looking around. You guys, we have so many people doing so many wonderful things for the Lord and having businesses that are thriving and giving into the kingdom. Glory to God. But that's your calling. It's not mine. Doesn't mean there's a whole nother teaching around this. Part two is helping. We can stir the stir up one another too, but we're talking about stirring ourselves tonight. Amen. So often it's a perspective change from our flesh looking at something, saying, "Why do I have to do this?" When our spirit should look at it and say, "Look what I get to do." That's a good uh, way to look at things when you think, am I thinking about this right? If you're thinking about why do I have to do this, you're not thinking about clue. You're not thinking about it right. I'm, when you're looking at things spiritually, you're going, I get to do this. No matter what it is. And we all like to, everybody's horrible is different, by the way. Some people would much rather clean a toilet than change a diaper. Or work in the parking lot. I don't want to stand out there in the heat. Whatever it may be, <laughs> right? Whatever it may be, but we're, those are all important parts. It is a calling to, to teach children. Trust me. Try doing it if you're not called to do it. I've seen it happen. <laughs> I've seen go, oh, bad choice on our part. <laughs> they definitely did not belong in children's. <laughs> but it's a calling to do all those things. Some people cannot clean. I'm sorry. I'm not going to call names, but you can't clean. It's not your gift. It's not your calling. You know, people just don't see things the same way. And some people, man, boom, they are cleaners. They are clean. I sent uh, someone on staff in Branson. I won't call any names, but she, her house, it, you could eat off of any surface in her house on any given day. And on any given day, if she finds out you're coming... It will be a whirlwind frenzy of cleaning because the house isn't clean. And I was teasing her about that, right? She has a clean gift. She sees it. Her house is, she's, she's sparkling. But she would tell you there's other things that aren't her gift. We want to be in our places. Amen? I'll use an analogy that we use often from the pulpit here. You've heard, brother. I think Brother Moore talked about it even during, during a Greater Faith Conference about the body and how the body is made up. Now, if everybody in here was just a head in the body, we'd have a lot of heads rolling around. Maybe if the wind was blowing. We might have some pretty heads. We might have some really smart heads. We might have some bald heads. We might have some hair. Nothing wrong with that. Might have some, <laughs> some long hair, some blonde heads with some brunettes, whatever. But if they're all heads and there's no neck and there's no shoulder, 
and there's no torso and there's no elbow and arm and there's no wrist and there's no hand and there's no, there's no pelvis and femur and knee and I'm not bending over. You can. <laughs> the answer is I can't. You don't have to ask. <laughs> but your long bone and your ankle and your toes, if you don't have all of those parts in, in function together as the body, it doesn't perform the way it's supposed to. And I'm just talking about that's just the stuff that's visible. Inside of us is a whole nother set of stuff that no one ever pays any attention to until it's not working. Right? I have a list here. Hold on. Right here. And these are the behind the scenes parts of the body. It applies naturally and spiritually. There are 206 bones in your body. There are 78 organs, somewhere between 1.2 and 1.5 gallons of blood, 600 muscles. None of those are visible or seen from the outside. There's a whole lot more going on behind the scenes than what's happening and what's visible and what's front. Well, the church is exactly the same way. There's a whole lot more going on behind the scenes than what happens in the pulpit and on the platform on the weekends. Is that important? Yes. Is that why those things are happening behind the scenes? Yes, 100%. But there has to be all the behind the scenes for this to ever happen. That's called ministry of helps. And that's what most people are in and called to is helps. Amen. But none of those things are visible and seen. When Amy and I first started, part of our job, I guess it still is part of our job, was events. And we have big events at the churches. We're, we're, back in, we're back in event season. And we just added one, right? Yeah. March the 6th. Write that down. Sarasota. But we've got, that, we've, we've got uh, let's see, Celebration Sunday. Well, the next one's BBC, Branson Victory Campaign. And then we have Celebration Sunday. And then we'll have, we used to have marriage meeting one place or the other every year. And then we've got, uh, what, Week of Increase and then Greater Faith Conference. And it just kind of rolls and rolls and rolls around. Well, do you know why those events are successful? Most of that work is done before Greater Faith Conference ever hit. Teams are scheduled and teams are, people sign up for teams. They sign up to help. All of those elements fall into place and that meeting goes smoothly. How many got to come to Greater Faith? If you didn't, you need to listen to it and don't miss next year because it was amazing. God showed up. He was faithful. But you know what I get excited about? Part of that is because we were faithful as a church. We were faithful as the teams. The the worship was ready and prepared. Every little part was ready so that when Brother Keith stepped into this pulpit, he wasn't worried about what had happened in the building that day. He didn't know. He wasn't thinking, was it vacuumed? Is there toilet paper in all the stalls? Um, Is someone going to be watching the kids during service? Is, Is the meal ready? He's never walked out there and the meal's not ready. No matter how long or how short he goes, the meal is ready. Glory to God. That's the Holy Spirit helping us because we're prepared and we're helping and we're getting ahead of this stuff. Most of that work happens ahead of time. Well, this is exactly why you hear us talk about experience and excellence and serving and being a part because all that back end matters, you guys. All the, the body has to work together. If there's one part that doesn't work, it causes a deficiency in the rest of the body. It keeps the whole body from being able to accomplish everything because somebody has to make up for the part that isn't working. I can still, if I, if I pull my leg up, I could hop eventually across this thing. I'd be exhausted. 
It would be slower than if I could just walk or run if I needed to. I'd get it done, but does it impede me that this isn't working? Oh, look, I can still grab it. I hope I can let it go. But you understand what I'm saying. It impedes you. I, my, my dad, when I was younger, had an accident and lost one of his eyes. He has a glass eye. He can still see out of his other eye. People ask if he can see out of the glass one. The answer is no, it's glass. It's glass. But it's kind of a running joke in our family because people will say, oh, can you see out of it? No, it's glass. It's not an eye. So he has, but he has the other eye. Has he been able to live his life and and lived a good full life? Absolutely. But what happened initially with him is the other eye, because of his work, started deteriorating quicker because the one eye didn't work. The other eye is trying to make up for it. And your other senses will try and make up for it. He, he, he hears well, did. He's, he's blessed, and, and, but he's getting up, getting up in years now. But he, his, your body compensates for these things. Now, once he, qu- he was fortunate, and once he was able to quit having to put all that strain on that eye, it, it, st- it stabilized, and, and uh, he's doing well. But it's taken. Has he been able to do everything at the pace he would have done otherwise? Absolutely not. Did it slow him down a little? Absolutely, it did. It's exactly the same thing in the body. It causes people to, when people are out of their places, it matters. I'm gonna, I'll share something with you that, that happened to us. We got out of our place at one point. And we had, I've shared a little bit of the story, but we had gotten, you know, the Lord, the great thing about God is he doesn't give up on you even when you get out of your place. He, he wants you back in your place. Don't let the enemy tell you anything else. God wants you back and restored to where you're supposed to be. But there were some things that needed to happen. And I just couldn't seem to figure out why things weren't happening. You know, you think you've done this, you think you've done that. And it all came down to the fact that I needed, I needed. God didn't need this. Mrs. Moore didn't need this. Tom needed this. I needed to recognize that us stepping out of our place made it harder for them to accomplish some things. Did it happen? Yes. I'm not prideful enough to think that us stepping out of anything made, you know, made it not happen. But I believe that things had, some people had to work harder than they would have had to work. I believe some decisions would have been easier if we'd have been in our place and been where we were supposed to be. Does it matter where you're supposed to be? hundred percent. Thank God we came, the Lord restored us. And here we are 10 years later in Florida. We're longer than that, but 10 years just in Florida. That's amazing to me, that, that the goodness of God in 10 years, how quickly that's gone and how wonderful looking at all these people that are here and are part of our family. So it matters where you are. It matters. You don't want to leave a hole, right? And when we start lacking, um, we already covered that. This is, this is dangerous ground when you get to that place, though. When, you're, when as a believer, um, you find yourself not doing what you're supposed to be doing. We don't want to get there. You know, I heard, I heard this saying, when your get up and go has got up and went, you got to get up, go get it, and get it back on track. And it's, easy, it's that easy to do. Back to, we got to stir ourselves up. Before it gets to that point, we got to put the, put the stir in, put the stick in, and start stirring a little bit. And let those ingredients that God's given us start making it the way that it needs to be. Sometimes I think we've taken a play out of the world's book, playbook uh, uh, and how how does the world look for information they go to seminars the guys businesses spend thousands of dollars going to have somebody teach me how to do my job 
I spent more time in those meetings when I was working in the world than I ever cared to, and, it, and to, to, to little benefit, I would say. But there, you, go to, you go to meetings. They pay for seminars. You go to conferences. You go to do this. They're seeking. Well, the church has adapted that. And people are in the church, Christians, are running around from ministry to ministry and meeting to meeting. I'm not knocking all that. There's good meetings if you're supposed to be there. If God has a word for you and he's called you to go, go. But we have a lot of this happening in the churches. And it's a lot of it is trying to find a church where I can be who I want to be and do the things I want to do. So here we go. Back and forth. That's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to find our place and get hooked and serve. Serve, not the church, serve the Lord. It's where he has for you to be. We're supposed to find that. It's not supposed to be a dot map that we're jumping, you know, connect the dots constantly. Now hear me loud and clear. I, a good sermon, a word spoken in season, being in the right conference at the right time, those are blessings. God has changed my life in those situations. But I want to, you've got to find your place. There is a place that you're supposed to be. Because if you don't, you'll end up confused. You'll end up lost. You'll end up distracted and disappointed. Amen. I want to, Paul, um, let's say, you know, Peter, let's start with Second Peter 1.13. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you by putting you in remembrance. God has used people to stir us up. Amen. But we're not supposed to get everything from external sources. When you're a baby, every single thing that you do, there we go, every single thing that you has to be done for you. Somebody has to feed you. Someone has to clean you. Someone has to clothe you. Someone has to make sure you're where you're supposed to be. As we grow up and as we mature in the Lord, we're not supposed to be babies anymore. I don't need to find and get my God fix from somebody every single day. I'm not on a bottle anymore. We're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to take all of that meat and potatoes and, and, and all the ingredients that have been placed in us and stir ourselves up and grow and find our grounding and, and be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? The secret to staying stirred up is to learn to do it yourself. If you de- as I just said, if you depend on others to do it for you, you'll end up confused, distracted, and disappointed. And you'll think it's God when it isn't. Amen? In 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul said, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God that is in you. He's reminding us to stir ourselves up in the Lord. He wouldn't have said it if we didn't have the ability to do it. It's there for a reason. The purpose is clear. Stir yourself up in the gift of God that's already inside of you. Amen? So like Paul said, we're going to put you in remembrance tonight. I'm going to give you some reminders of how to stir yourself up, and we're going to cover three areas in what I call the stir it up study guide. All right? So what I'm going to do, I'm not just going to read these scriptures. I'm going to show you how to stir yourself up as you read a scripture. I'm not going to dance. No dance or other entertainment. But I am going to say, I'm going to speak the word. So you're going to see after I get done with some of these things um, how, how, how you can apply this. There are several, there's lots of ways to accomplish this, but we're going to talk about three major ways and th- that we can focus on. And the first one is faith. We talked about this a lot during Greater Faith Conference. We have to approach everything that we do in faith. 
We have to start with faith. Ephesians 2, 8. And I apologize, screens. I will tell you the reference if I know it. And if I don't know it, just put KGV up and we'll work with that. But this one's NIV. Ephesians 2, 8, NIV. For it is by grace that you have been saved. You guys will know most of these verses. Through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation in itself is a gift of God. It is a gift of God to serve. It is a gift to serve God in any capacity. To even have the opportunity to serve God is a result of salvation. It's one of the greatest benefits that we have of salvation is being able to serve him. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11, uh, 6, NIV. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I want to be an earnest seeker. But I want, I'm more importantly, I want to be an earnest finisher. I want to be a doer. There's a whole lot of people that will start the race and not finish it. I want to be a seeker and I want to be a finisher. Amen. Amen. He'll equip us to do that. You have to believe that God, what God has promised, he will do and he will accomplish. Hebrews uh, 12, 20, oh, excuse me, 10, 30, Hebrews 10, 23, Young's Literal. May we hold fast to the unwavering profession of the hope, for faithful is he who did promise. I love that, hold fast. Hold fast. What does that mean to you? Have you ever been around a two-year-old that doesn't want you to leave? <laughs> Parents, when you're ready to walk out the door and a two-year-old does not want you to leave, they grab you. They can get around your leg, and it doesn't matter if you're six four or five six. They can make it very difficult for you to leave the room. We used to say that it's like a death grip. Sometimes they even hold their breath doing it. (laughs) But hold fast. That's what we're supposed to do. That means get in there, you know, dig in the fingernails if you have to, but you don't let go. I'm holding fast to what he said. I, I refuse to let go of that leg. If it's if maybe just think of it as God is your daddy and you've got a hold of that leg and you're not letting go till you get it because he said you would get it. That's holding fast. Amen. To the unwavering profession that does not change. It doesn't change. Unwavering. What does that mean? Never changes position. It doesn't move. It's steadfast. It's it, if he said it, it's as good as done completely, absolutely unwavering. For faithful is he who did promise. And I specifically chose Young's Literal because sometimes when we're studying and you're pulling up scriptures, how many of you have ever seen those tests? They run around on Facebook and different things from time to time where they actually do a whole paragraph with only the first and last letter of the words in the right position. What does your brain do? These amazing tools that God gave us, most people can read a paragraph where the words are all misspelled and jumbled because our brain puts them in the right order and and completes that puzzle for us. Sometimes when we read that scripture and we know it and it's memorized, we fly through it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Like it's a speed competition to get through and see, can I read it and get every single word in it? That's why sometimes jump to a different translation and see what it says. I like the way it said that at the end there. Faithful is he who did promise. It's a little different wording. It helps you focus on the words a little bit. That was a free little tidbit. But it's a good tool. Change it up. 
because sometimes you're missing the point of it because you're just speed, you're speed reading it because you know it. It's settled in there. It's a good thing to know the word. I'm not saying that. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Berean Study Bible. Now, faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. I am assured and certain that this is going to come to pass. Amen. Amen. What am I doing? I'm building myself up. I'm reading these scriptures and applying them to my life. I'm applying it to Tom's life. Now, faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. I know what God said to me, and it doesn't matter if I've seen any of it come to pass. It is going to come to pass. I know that it's going to happen. I know that I heard from the Lord. You can stirring yourself up. It's reminding yourself of the faithful things that God has said to you. Stir it up. Stir it up. The next thing, the next number two, we're already on number two, you guys. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm not keeping you late. Thankfulness and gratitude. I'm going to reread a couple of the scriptures here that we read a minute ago. But 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul said, Wherefore I put in thee remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. And in 2 Peter 1.13, Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Remembrance is a key word when it comes to stirring things up. And remembering will make you thankful. It's remembering the things. In in both of those scriptures where he said that, was he calling to their remembrance how they were wronged? That's an answerable question, an easy one. I don't do trick questions. So, uh, Was he called to their remembrance all the times that people failed them or let them down? No. Was he, calling, he was calling to their remembrance the miracles and the stories that he had seen Jesus do on the earth. Peter was with Jesus when these things happened. He's relaying to them and remake, helping them to remember this is what happened. This is what God did. This is the miracle. These are the miracles and the wonders and the signs that he performed. I saw him. Well, we need to look and what have we seen firsthand? What has God done in your life? We didn't have to be with Jesus to see this. Thank God we have the living word. The Holy Spirit inspired stories are there. These are truth. These are real things that happened in the word. But we have real things that happened that we need to be remembering and looking back on and calling to our remembrance. We need to remember the times he healed us. We need to remember the times he delivered us from a bad situation. We need to remember the times he brought in work when there was no work. We need to remember the times that he brought in money when you couldn't pay the rent. We need to remember the times that he provided a way when there seemed to be no way... That will get you excited again. Yes, yes. That will stir you up. Um, that's, that's just, I just need a big stick right here. Just churn, churn, churn. Because when you get excited, you know what happens when you start talking about the good things that God has done? You keep talking about the good things that God has done. And more and more come up and you think, oh, I'd forgotten about that. Remember when that happened? You know, I, when we were in Branson the last time, someone came up and they were very emotional, actually, about something that, that we had done. And I didn't remember all the details of it. I remembered it happening. But it meant something to them. It meant something It was very important to them, clearly. They were stirring it up. They were being thankful. They were saying, "This is God used you in this way. And, you know, that stirred me up, too which is part two, which won't happen tonight. Don't panic. That stirs people up because you talk about the good things that he's done and you talk about the times that he met your needs when you didn't have it. 
And you talked about you talk about the times that you say, Lord, I wish I had it to do. And he provided it to do. Amen. Amen. About the times, remember when he allowed us to sow into this and this happened? Oh, and remember when we gave into that project and then all of a sudden this happened and we weren't even expecting it and I had no idea that they even knew who we were? That's what happens when you look for things from a a grateful side and and place of gratitude and and thankfulness. Amen? Amen. Another scripture on that one. First, First Thessalonians 5.16 Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now we're going to play a little game right here. I told you I needed your help on a couple of things. I'm going to give you a scenario and all I want you to tell me is give thanks. Alright? It was a really rough week. You have no idea how bad this week was. I barely had enough money to pay the rent. You didn't hear what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said about me behind my back. Well, it's easy for you to say, but you have, don't have to live with this man or this woman. That's right. But, but I got a really, really bad report from the doctor's office. Whose report do you believe anyway? We believe the report of the Lord. What does it say? I'm healed. I'm whole. Amen. There's no, there's no little asterisk in that scripture. Let's read it again. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you see any asterisk there that would indicate there's a list below that excludes certain circumstances? Nope. No, no exclusions. The word means just exactly what it means. In every circumstance, no matter what, no matter how bad it seemed at the time, no matter how much your flesh hurts, no matter how bad your feelings got hurt, no matter how ugly someone said something terrible about you, give thanks. Because when you give thanks, you'll remember who you are in Him and it won't matter what they think about you. It won't matter that it didn't feel good at the time because I know who I am. Amen. Amen. In everything, it makes a difference every single time. Psalms 103, uh, verses, verse 1, KJV. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. I think I was not in KJV, but that's okay. I'm going to read it again. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Has God done anything for you? Well, according to this scripture, you could just read this and get happy. He's forgiven your sins. He's healed your diseases. Has anybody been healed of something? I'm looking at, I know several miracles in here that are survived. They've, God has healed their diseases. And, and, and he redeemed you from the pit and crowned you with love and compassion. Be thankful. If you look in the Psalms, David used this device a lot. And, and I, every time I read this, I kept hearing, we used to have a Pentecostal pastor. Everything was Lord. You know how it is. 
I can't do it. So I'm, and, and I don't mean to mock at all. It was great. It was there. I mean, you know, when he got going, there was an anointing on what he was doing. Amen. If it had, if it had not been for the Lord, but the Lord heard me. I would have perished, but God. David, how many times have, did David say that? And what was he doing? He was bringing to remembrance all of the times that God did these things for him. All of the times. Remember and be thankful. That's what he's saying. Doing this will keep your heart tender and open, and it will keep you stirred up. Amen. 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 So what, what do we talk about first? Faith. Amen. We have to approach everything in faith. That's how we please the Father, and that's how we remind ourselves that He's faithful. Amen? We, what was the second one? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thankfulness and gratitude. Yes, we remember all the good things that He has done. It will stir you up. It will change your perspective if you'll just start saying it. You know, when the negative starts to come out, we ought to make a rule to just say, Okay, I heard the complaint, but now what's the positive? Because, because that will override the complaint. It will override the negative every single time. Try it. And the last way we're going to stay stirred up, I told you three things, is fellowship with him. And, and of the three, this is the challenge for a lot of people. Oh, oh, I fellowship with the Lord. I go to church. That's getting the word and that is fellowship in some level, but that is not your time with the Lord. That is not spending time with him. There is an intimate relationship that needs to develop between you and the Father, between you and God. Amen? Amen. So we have to spend time alone with him and his word. Now, I'm so thankful that our pastor has direction. I get so much out of our chapter. That's not your, that can't be your only time. It should not be your only time of fellowship with God. You have to spend time with him. You have to purpose. In Proverbs um, 4.20... And I think this says BSB. I don't know if we have that one. I think that's the Berean Study Bible. He said, uh, my son, you'll know the scripture. My son, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to the whole body. Guard your heart with all diligence. From it will flow springs of life. Everybody knows that scripture, right? We are exhorted in there to pay attention to his words. Pay attention. Incline your ear to my sayings. How do we do that? You spend time with them. I did a little bit of looking into incline your ear, and it's mentioned uh, quite often in the Bible, actually. But in this case, it's, it's more than just listening. It's focused listening. It's really, really listening and purposing to hear what God has to say to you. So he's saying purpose to spend time with me. Purpose to hear my words. How do you hear if your mouth is running? We used to say that to the kids. You can't do this and this at the same time. We need to say it to adults sometimes. I need you to, this is what you are doing. This is what I need you to do. Right? It's not fun, but it's the truth. We need to listen. It's a purpose. Um, We are honoring him by inclining our ears, our thoughts, our hearing, and our meditation to his word. With the implication, this is a great thing about God, there is always a result to your action. Always. With the implication that doing so will produce the good things that God has for us to possess. What does it say? Do not lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to the whole body. 
It's valuable time spent with the Lord. These are valuable outcomes that we need more of in our lives and in the church. Amen. Does God hear us? 100%. But fellowship produces those results. Another part of fellowship with him is spending time in prayer, of course. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. You guys could quote it. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... Make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're not called to be anxious. We're called to present our requests to him through prayer. And you know the great thing about God? I don't know about you, but when I'm talking to God, it's it's like talking to my friend. I mean, respectful, of course. I honor who he is. But but there's no reason to not speak from your heart because he knows. He knows it anyway, but he wants to hear you say it. He wants to commune with you. That's what he created mankind for, was communion. We, had, we, we lost that privilege, but he used to commune with them every day in the garden. It said in the cool of the day, right? He, he longs for that communion. And that is, a, that is another product of salvation that we can commune with him again, that we need to take more advantage of as believers. Because guess what? He has the answers. We sit and complain and think, I know, how is this going to happen? How is that going to happen? You know, 99% of the time, if you'll just ask, he'll tell you. He'll tell you. We have someone on staff that I, 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 if, if they don't know the answer, they say, well, bless God, we'll get it. The Lord will show us how to do it. Do you know how much that blesses you as a manager to have someone who says, hey, I... I may not have the answer, but I'm going to find the answer because the Lord will give it to me. I'm going to ask. They take that, I ask the Lord for wisdom and he'll give it to you. That's for real, guys. That's for reals and it's for everybody's. But you have to ask. That's fellowshipping with him. That's talking to him. That's spending time with him. Amen. So these are the first three ways. And I know that's just a little bit. And I've given you some scriptures that you can go home. And you can sit there and talk about what those scriptures mean to you and fill in the blanks of where you're supposed to be thankful and what you're supposed to be doing. We talked about faith. We talked about thanks, thankfulness, uh, gratitude, and we talked about fellowship, right? So one of the things I mentioned too, and I didn't bring, it's not a craft project, so don't. But one of the things that I do, and this is just something... I've done for a long time. I have a computer file on my desktop. I have things on my phone. Whenever I see something, oftentimes it's a scripture. Oftentimes it'll come out of having read the chapter. Some verse will stick out to you. Sometimes it's something uh, somebody posted on Facebook that may not be scripture, but it's certainly relative and I can find it in the word. And I print those out and I go back. And I was thinking today, you know, these are kind of like little stir sticks. And if you've been Uh, the staff will recognize by my office I will post these things sometimes on the bulletin board not for their benefit but for my benefit because I see them you know things like and I'm just going to give you an example here things like these little signs that we handed out last year does anybody still have those remember to be thankful that's a stir stick plus it has coffee implications which ain't bad stir sticks coffee right I'm telling you Good things, but but these are little stir sticks. I have things like, it's time to expand your view of what God can do. That's inspiring. That stirs your spirit a little bit, right? 
These are just things that inspire you, that, that speak to your spirit, man. This one, after we read our chapter, I went back and I, and I wrote it out as a letter to the Ephesians. And I read this. I thought, you know, Lord, I'm going to read this over our staff every single day. And it's just, my dear friends, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's just scripture, but it's inspiring. It meant something to me. I wrote it down. I keep it in my little folder. And whenever I'm having a day, this one, actually another staff member shared this with me. Psalms 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding and must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts him. Is it ever going to be a bad thing to read a scripture? I never pick that up. I never look through those on my phone that I don't change my attitude because there are little ways of stirring yourself up. Amen. When you hear a song that really ministers to you, I, I, I love that song, Goodness of God, because it actually is a stir stick song. It's a stir it up song. It's got faith in it. It's got thankfulness in it. And it's got fellowship in it because I, I can throw my hands up and say, all my life, I'm talking to him. You have been faithful. Those are things that you can use to stir yourself up. Amen. When you have a favorite meal, do you just eat it one time? No. Not if you can help it. You go back and you eat it again and you order it again and somebody cooks it for you again. If you're blessed and fortunate to have that person in your life. Amen. I've got family that's a good cook. They, they share good things with us. But Not if you have a choice. You go back and you have that meal again and you enjoy it again and you enjoy it again because it's feeding and it's nourishment to you. That's what the word is. It should nourish us. It should change us. Amen. Amen. Um, If you fan the flames just a little bit, what happens? It gets bigger. You don't even have to do. It's not even that much effort sometimes to keep the fire going. And what we're supposed to be as believers is just a roaring fire in the fireplace that nobody wants to mess with. The devil doesn't even want to come close because it's, it's, he, they're on fire for the Lord. Amen. They've really got it. But as that fire dies down, what happens is all that ash that was once a raging fire now just kind of blows around with every little wind. It's more susceptible to deception because it, you, people can get in a little closer. They're less afraid to say something because they see that the joy is not there anymore. I'm telling you, there are people, I, I'll be honest, I used to avoid they were so happy. I am, I am by, by nature not a morning person. And I would literally be like, oh, Lord, they're at my door. It's 7.30. I just need my coffee and get my computer started. Just give me a minute. No, but and I'm being silly, but... 
but that's how, you know, there's people, uh, wouldn't that be a great thing? They're just too happy for me today. (laughs) But they're recognizing it in you. That's a good testimony. Somebody might mean it negatively, but you can go, you know what? I'll take too happy over sad, depressed, and grumpy any day. And I can get some for you. It's contagious. It's contagious. Amen. So we want to stir ourselves up and we want to keep that fan, fanning that flame. Because I, I heard a, a saying recently and I don't, it was a, it was a Christian book and I'm sorry, I tried to find out and I don't remember who it was, but it was basically along the lines that God is looking for some good kindling. And if you have to build a fire, what do you do? You, you gather up the driest wood you can find. There isn't any wood in your life. There isn't any dream that God has given you. There isn't anything that he planted inside of you that is so dry that he can't get it going again. Amen. Nothing. It, maybe it's been 20 years. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe something changed. There's nothing so dry that he can't get it going again. Nothing. If you just scoop all those things together and just say, Lord, here it is. I made a mess of it. I didn't keep it watered in the case of growth. And I didn't, I didn't keep that fire burning. I let it go out a little bit. He'll say, we got this. Thank you, Lord. He's ever said that to anybody else? He said it to me a few times when I thought it was pretty close to the end. And he's like, you know, I'm right here and we've got this. All you got to do is we've got this. He's ready. And he allows us to turn around. God is stirring us up for a purpose. I believe that. I I see a lot of change over the last little bit in people and in myself, most importantly. But in the churches, I believe God has things that this body is going to accomplish. Here in Branson, all of our online family, there's, there's a stirring happening. That's bigger than us. But if, you know, if we're keeping ourselves stirred and we're doing our part and we're staying engaged with the Lord ourselves, I'll be a better brother and a sister for you. I'll be a better leader on my team. I'll be a better team member if I'll just, just keep those ingredients going. And God, you know what he does? He just keeps adding stuff. He'll take you from McDonald's to gourmet really fast. From something that is, you know, barely, barely food to really nourishing to the body of Christ. All, both are important. He'll take you where you are and he'll take you where he has for you to be. If we'll stay stirred up. Amen. You can stand to your feet. You guys got a song? I know you do.